Hey, brother. Hello, brother. Welcome to Season 7. That's right. Season 7, Episode 1 of Match Wits. I'm your host, Steve, and with me is my younger brother, Chris. <laughs> That's me. I like how you changed up the rhythm there. So I don't you see make that? Fun of me. I did that. Yeah. I, I pay attention. We're doing all sorts of new things in Season 7. Yeah, uh, yeah. Match Wits is a nostalgia-infused, uh, ADD-infused podcast where we talk about a whole bunch of different things in any one given 60 to... Uh, uh, what do you think? Eighty minute segment every yeah. uh, every week. Eighty two is our longest, I think. And I don't even All remember right. what that one was. That's just when we go off on tangents. Yeah, and we average out what about uh, seventy one minutes? Seventy one oh. minutes. All so right. sit back, crack a beer, pour yourself a glass of whiskey, and listen to us ramble for seventy one minutes. <laughs> All right, and we'll try to keep it entertaining. Um, and and part of this is we will do uh, we will often disagree on 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 facts. So we have uh, what we call a dimwit bet. Uh, we finished season six. Uh, I'm five dollars in the hole to Chris. Um, yep. in, in last week's episode, episode uh, twenty five of season six, uh, I couldn't get the uh, Sylvester Stallone's character's name from Cobra, yep. which was I still can't remember. Marion Marion Cobretti. Yeah, and and then uh, I I brought up um, I don't even know how we brought up Once Bitten or no Once Bitten <laughs> or uh, uh, My Best Friend's a Vampire. Yeah, we were talking about Sean Patrick Leonard. Oh right, okay, all right. That's how we, we got to watching, that. We were talking about we were talking about House, and then we were talking about Wilson and Sean Patrick Leonard, and I, yes. I knew he was a dead poet society. And then you brought up Once Bitten, and I was like, wait, the Jim Carrey, Lauren Hutton movie, and you're like, yeah, he's totally <laughs> in that one. I'm like, no, I don't believe so. Yeah, no, and he was in My Best Friend's a Vampire. So, yeah. five dollars in the hole to you. No, the uh, season's over. You owe me five dollars. Now we right. start fresh. I will mail it to you in quarters. Cool. All right. Yeah, it's going to cost you more in postage. This yeah, probably. Yeah. So, so before we jump into this week's topic, and we kind of center our topics around movies and 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 and, and kind of get to a, a chunk there, but we also go through some uh, a bit of kind of what's going on in the world and uh, some nostalgia before we jump in. And the first thing I want to talk about a little bit is, and this is by no means a a sports podcast, but I think we need to talk address the elephant in the room and talk about the Browns' first preseason game. Um, and well, I know I didn't prep you up for it, but... No, 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 but you know me, Steve. Like, I've been since, what, since they signed Odell? Like, even when, like, back... You can go back as far as when they drafted Baker. Like, I've been all in following this team every training camp snap. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I've watched everything. Well, not even, Steve, dude, not even the Browns. How about the Indians? Like, oh, yeah, about, I don't even how, go there. Um, and it was funny, right before we hopped on the pod, the Indians were playing the Twins, and they had bases loaded, two outs, and I, and I watched on my phone as Greg Allen struck out. Oh. So it's, it's, uh, What's it the was, score? Uh, it was 0-0. It was delayed. Uh, it's 0-0, top of the fourth. Okay. Um, but they're playing some good baseball right now. They sure are. What well, is this? How far? How long ago was the Baker shotgunning video? And for the listeners or the people that are listening that haven't seen Baker Mayfield shotgunning a beer at the Indians game the other night, like you need, you owe it to yourself to go and find it because the form is spectacular. Like I've shotgunned a fair amount of beers in my <laughs> life, but I've never seen anybody cleanly bite through the can on the first try, and the way he tilts his head and he and he and he indents the top so it doesn't glug and spill and the way he twists it at the end and throws it down with no spillage and it doesn't run down his arm like you can clearly tell that's not 
<laughs> Baker's first time shotgunning a beer. But, and, but the best part of that is he's drinking a beer. He hands his beer. He's like, hold my beer. No, he throw me it. a Throw me a fresh one. He, he chugged He chugged the beer that the left or whatever he had left in a can that he had. And then he realized that it was kind of like a letdown because he was finally on the Jumbotron at, at the Progressive Stadium. And then someone throws him an unopened beer off from off camera. Yep. And, he dist- and he absolutely crushed it. And then he gets up and he points at the And he's wearing a Frankie Lindor jersey. But the best the, the best part of that story is that they went on to score five runs the next that, inning. That inning yeah they were they were down or they were they, they hadn't had scored hit. anything yeah they and they scored one... five runs and then yeah. since since that time they lost they've caught up you no know, they've they've lost but i think that what they've caught up to and that was like a week and a half yeah ago because it was um it was after the scrimmage right so yeah it was actually just a week ago Right, because yeah, they did the scrimmage had, on Saturday, and then Saturday the night they, they did the yeah. <laughs> so. He has that great, glorious, like mid '80s Cleveland mustache. That's awesome. It's, it's he awesome. Like, gets he gets he gets Cleveland. Yeah. He does. So the thing I want to bring up, and I don't want to go through the whole game and dissect the whole game, but if you go back to season six of the Matchwitch podcast and go to episode eleven, I believe it is, is when we talked about. Uh, we were supposed to talk about cars, but we talked about Cleveland sports for like an hour and a half. Um, I pitched you on a movie idea. You remember this? Orange is the New Brown. <laughs> Orange is the New Brown. <laughs> and the idea was it was going to be kind of a revamp, reboot of Major League, but about the Browns. Yep. So the, the, the most compelling, like there's so many cool things going on with Cleveland right now. But the part that... I, I enjoy about the Browns is uh, Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. Such a good story. Yeah, like that, so, that's one of those ones as a screenwriter, as an aspiring screenwriter myself, like that, you can't make a story up like that and have it be believable. And- All right, so we had a little technical difficulty. I dropped <laughs> off like mid-sentence. So let's go back into uh, Damien Sheehy Giuseppe. So yeah. And, and I think we were talking about, like, if you go back to season six and we talked about the idea of Orange is the New Brown, the, 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 the char- like this guy is it's just an amazing, like, it's a heartwarming story. I think it per- personifies Cleveland a little bit, but it also parallels Major League and sure. Willie Mays Hayes, right? Like, the, if you guys don't know the story, I think there's a number of articles out there. A couple of the guys around Cleveland, uh, Cleveland sports writers, have written an article about him. I think he even got picked up in ESPN, right? Because he literally, he was like a JUCO, uh, junior college, like tried to transfer to a major, didn't get a scholarship. Um, he slept, he went to Miami. I think he talked himself into an interview. Yeah. He slept outside the facility, charged his phone at a laundromat, like only ate one meal a day. Like literally he's living his dream. Um, got a tryout. Alonzo Highsmith um, gave him a tryout. He ran a 4.38.40, which is an incredible time. Yeah. Gave him a tryout, gave him a contract. Um, he's the first person on the practice field. He stays late. He does the work, and then in his first preseason game as a kick returner, he returns a he returns a kick eighty four. I think it was eighty four yards, almost untouched for a touchdown. And the entire team it's like it's like a Rudy story, right? The <laughs> it's entire like a Rudy team story. like piles on top of him in the end zone. Freddie Kitchens goes crazy. Like it's just this amazing story. And again, if you go back to this idea of a movie, this would be 
one of the key characters. Yep. And again, it to me, it personifies what's going on in Cleveland right now with the Browns in this whole walk-on mentality that I think Baker Mayfield, even yep. though he was a first pick, he, I, he never comes across like Johnny Manziel entitled. No. He never... Yeah, he just is a. He works hard. He's got a personality. He's very confident. He's a leader, uh, but he's had to work for everything he got. So I just thought that was a cool like uh, that. That moved me. I was watching it while I was up in. It was funny. I was up in D.C. for work and uh, watching him play the Redskins on the local TV. And it, I was yeah. like, the, the the Redskins fans and the Redskins broadcasters didn't understand the power of what you just watched. Like of this, what you just saw. And especially, yeah, yeah. Steve, it's preseason, so we're not talking a 53-man roster. We're talking 90 people came out to celebrate with this kid. That, <laughs> like, you think, like, as a listener, you're probably like, all right, they're kind of exaggerating the story. I'm sure it's really romantic. Like, no, like, the there's stories, like, there was an interview with Freddie Kitchens where he talked about he literally has to go and grab him and push him out the front door and say, go get some rest. Like, this is part of being a professional. You need to sleep. And he was like, no, I want to I want to work. You know, I need to I need to do another lifting session or I need to go train or I need to watch film. And Freddie's like, go home. Right. Rest is just as important as film. And, and he says three o'clock in the morning, he'll walk around and he'll see someone out of the corner of his eye. And it's it's David sneaking to like back into the weight room to go do another set. And Freddie grabs him and pushes him <laughs> out the door. Right. And it's just the more you read about this team and the the cast of characters that they have from miles if you don't if they didn't watch uh, hard knocks last year and don't really know about miles garrett like the guy's an absolute animal on a football field but like the warrior poet mentality like he writes poetry <laughs> like he likes freeform jazz like it's he's just a different kind he's pedro serrano but instead of a voodoo priest he's he's just like a beat poet like it's just the cast of characters well that yeah and his he, you know they can do the visors they can do the the visors with characters that was so awesome the one where he's got the the miles morales from into the spider verse and then it's like i think christian kirksey has or kirkley has one and kirksey yeah and, no and but he's let, got the um oh god one of the anime like i want to say pokemon but um I think he's a huge Pokemon fan, Steve. He like, is no, but it's, not, but it's not Pokemon. It's the um, maybe not My Hero Academia, but one of those. Like he's one got those, them yeah. on his, and now and now he's got, of course, a T Rex. Like he's just <laughs> he is like just he's different than a lot of yeah. a, a lot of football players. So he brings to your point. He's the Pedro Serrano kind of a different <laughs> cat. He's a poet. He's he's a beast, and he's almost and- unblockable unblockable they the the highlight that they keep i think joe thomas posted it and it says thank god i'm not playing left tackle anymore and it's miles garrett first get off where he bends at like a 90 degree angle where he's like bent at the waist but still can outrun the lineman as he's in his shuffle and he gets to the quarterback within like two seconds the quarterback throws it away and it's just i don't know like we've talked ourselves in the like preseason stuff like they always say the browns always win the offseason because they give us this false sense of hope but this just feels different man like all like like i said i live in philly so everybody's eagles fan so i'm literally the only browns fans that most of the people i interact with know so like everybody always like dude I've, i've been meaning to talk to you are you excited and i'm like yes like for the first <laughs> time since 1999 like i am genuinely 100% like i te- i think this team can be really special 
Like I love Freddie. I have Freddie Kitchen yeah. seems to be the he is the the manager. I, he is Lou or whatever his name is from Major League, the gruff <laughs> the gruff southerner that's not gonna take any crap and yes. hold everybody accountable. Like I bring up the story about if they watched Hard Knocks, I was like, Do you remember early in the season when Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley first had their big blow up and they started like oh, yeah. kind of chipping about at each other? Playing the players, yeah. About playing the players. And there was a coach that raised the red flag about, yeah, I get veteran days off, but we only have a limited number of snaps that we can run and how many practices we can have and each rep is important and was kind of pushed to the side. And they're like, Yeah, I remember that. I was like, That was Freddie Kitchens. Like that was he was the running back coach at that point in time. And he he got it when Hugh Jackson didn't, and now he's running the show, and he's he's accountable. He's he's well spoken. Like he just seems to be the perfect fit for this team at this point yep. in time. So. And you're right in the and I never thought of it like, but the parallels between him and oh God, what's the 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 coach from Major League? Like Isn't the, the parallels there is hilarious. I'm gonna look up to actually see his name. You can vamp for now, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, that, but you can start. So you've got Miles as Pedro Serrano. You've got Giuseppe as William Mays Hayes. Like you've got these, and you've got OBJ. <laughs> does that and, make Baker? Does that make Baker Rick Vaughn? <laughs> kinda. Is, is it like or is Except it he's Odell? A, not from the yeah, but you know, and the thing with Odell, like if you look at him, like in that in that in that. Uh, preseason game he's running down yeah. and congratulating hmm? it's Lou, Lou Brown oh right yeah, yeah. So. but that's why so like we should I, have I done know. it we should have done it way back let's see what when when did we do that was, was February it? 21st is when we did that the Cleveland sports one um does, does that make Renee Russo D Haslam <laughs> it could be Oh man, like the parallels there. Yeah. Oh, I can go. So wait, so who's who's Tom Berenger? It's got to be. Like we don't a have line. any old guys on our team. It's got to be like... a lineman, right? Joel. Batonio? And you've got the you've got the the Scottish hammer, the kicker with the ponytail. <laughs> He's so good. Was it Jamie like... Gillian or whatever his name is? <laughs> yeah. Like this, all the stories that you get. Like yeah. it's a little bit major league and a little bit necessary roughness. Sure. Manu, sure. Manu, the slender, and mm-hmm. yeah. With a little, with a little bit of replacement. Oh, and then with the there. guy who put the snot on the ball, <laughs> rub a little jalapeno on the ball. <laughs> you, you put, put snot, snot on the ball. On the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's um, oh, god, who's the backup quarterback that's been in the league for like um? Why am I spacing out on it? Um, Wait, in in what movie? No, no, in for no, no. The 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 snot on the ball guy is oh, it's Drew Stanton. Drew Stanton, <laughs> like the the veteran quarterback. That, yeah. Like, yeah. All right. But, so, anyways, I, I it would be remiss if we didn't bring that up because that's just a great story and reemphasizes the fact that we should have made a movie called Orange is the New Orange is the New Brown into yeah. and, and kind of been a reboot of Major League because and but Cleveland's doing it for us. I mean, they've got the characters. I'm just I'm really looking forward to the season. Yeah, I'm really, really, really looking forward to the season. It can't come soon enough. And then just the preseason game where they just come out. And I don't like preseason. I think it's just, I think four games is unnecessary. Give me, if you want to extend the regular season by two more games, make the preseason two games. But for Freddie to come out in his first, as as his first technical game as a head coach and to use it as a practice to come out of the gates and run their two minute drill just to get Baker some reps where he gets the ball out quick. There's not really a chance of him taking mm-hmm. any big hits 
and just surgically walked down the field. What was he? Seven for eight for like seventy-seven yards and a touchdown. Yep. And they were and they were talking about the touchdown throw to to Hollywood Higgins. And someone said, "Well, if it was a starting safety, they would have picked that ball off." And Dan Orlovsky does analysis for the NFL Network or for ESPN and was on. I forget what I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, but he was talking about, he was like, no, I disagree with that because watch what Baker does with his eyes. And he broke it down about how Baker adjusted, made the safety commit to a certain area of the field. So the only recovery that he had was this flat angle where he had to come under Hollywood Higgins, where he could Baker could throw the ball over top of that safety where he where and but he only could put it in maybe like a two yard window and Baker absolutely just dropped a dime and oh yeah because it went right over the guy's hands but it, mm-hmm. it and, and Higgins was told him to grab it mm-hmm. so yeah you guys could take like your Aaron Rodgers your aloof douchebag that might be one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen I'll take my six foot punk ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like yeah. I, I can't. I remember when everyone said, "Like, what do you think about Baker?" I was like, "I think I'm going to love him." Like, I, I, I didn't like him when he was in college because he wasn't on my team. But now he's on my team, and right. he's leading my team, and my team might be really good. And if you don't like it, tough crap. I've eat, I've eat, <laughs> I've eaten shit for 20 years, pretty much 40 years of my life being a Browns fan. So. Yeah, I'm going to shove this in everybody's face. Right. But there, we also have, we also, and I think we talked about this before, we have this little bit of apprehension where we don't trust it. We don't yeah, trust sure. it. Something bad's going to happen. It, we've got that foreboding. All right, I don't, want, I don't want to go too much further on the Browns because there was two other things I want to talk about before we get into some of the movies. Yeah. Um, and this is just one of those things. Like, and I was going to tweet about it, but I didn't because I was on the road. Uh, Rise up but, lights? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was like a week, two a week or two ago. We're driving, and I don't know if I've told you this. Um, and 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 we used. I was. We were down in Seattle. We went to this record store that has a diner, and it's really cool. Um, in, in Seattle, where you can get like breakfast and you can go shop for vinyl. Um, and then coming back, I was like, I, I, I popped on Waze, and Waze was like, Hey, new feature. You can make Cookie Monster your voice. And <laughs> so I was like, All right, I'm in on that. And. Made Cookie Monster the voice, and my and I was with Maya, uh, my daughter, and and we were cracking up because it is like, <laughs> stay left, and it's all Cookie Monster's voice giving you navigation directions, which is all fine and good. And I think everybody should set right now, stop the podcast. If you use Waze, change the voice, and then forget about it. Right? Don't do it mm-hmm. while you're in the car. Do it now because what then happened is I hadn't used Waze in like a week, week and a half. I was on a business trip. I was in Baltimore. <laughs> I got a rental car. I popped in Waze and it's Cookie Monster's voice. And I started cracking up because gonna, you what? Aaron, Aaron uses Waze. I don't use Waze. I just use Google Maps because I don't really use GPS all that much because I, I go the same route over and over again. But Aaron uses it sometimes, especially when she's in, when she travels for work. So I'm going to sneak into her phone and change it. And then not say anything to her. So the next time, I think she's got a trip to Georgia coming up soon. And so when she gets into her rental car and puts her phone up to use the Waze app, it's going to be Cookie Monster. Yeah, that'll be good. You should because it's awesome. So let me... um... No, Steve, you know what another awesome thing that I found out? So when Erin gets a rental car, she always lets me know if it has that... It'll read the text messages as they come through if you sync your... You know what I mean? Like whatever that text reads. I you. (laughs) (laughs) 
But so when she links, anytime she tells me that, all right, she was like, I have one of those cards that'll read text messages. I'll write as many vulgar things as I think that'll say. Like the one time I wrote fart 50 times. So she's driving (laughs) and she's like in traffic and she turned over and she was laughing hysterically. And the guy next to her was like looking at her funny and she just rolls down the window and it's just the whatever the Siri voice that she has was just going fart. Fart, <laughs> fart, fart, and then like so, I, I was like, "All right, let's see what words it'll say." Like, so I tried Dingleberry, and it said Dingleberry, and then I like all these funny phrases that I could think of, and she said she was absolutely howling. But then I did it to her; she had a client in the car, and I just sent her a text, and I just said something like "fart, fart, Dingleberry, fart," and she said she was absolutely. It's <laughs> also nice. a good thing to do. So if you ever know somebody that does that. So I highly recommend it. But all right, so the Cookie Monster. How do I? It, it's just in settings. Do I have to download something? Because I'm only gonna be able to like sneak in. No, no. Time. I think if you just, get, I think if you're just on the latest version, if you go in, you can pick from the voices, and it just says U.S. English Cookie okay. Monster. Cookie Monster. Well, that's why someone brought it, up the, it, the fact that why don't they have like Morgan Freeman? Like I would, I would pay, I would pay twenty dollars to to update my my app to to have Morgan Freeman read me directions. You know what I mean? Like anybody that has, give me James Earl Jones, I'll, I'll pay fifty dollars for Dark. Oh Vader my gosh, yeah. to, to read my to read my directions. For well, me. I think I read somewhere you can get C three PO. Yeah, screw Anthony. Daniels. I thought he's and a, I he's thought a, I heard that you could get Liam Neeson. Yeah, and is, it would be really funny if you could only use him in Nissans. Oh God! You and your puns. <laughs> you and your damn terrible puns. That's not even a pun. That's just like a horrible. That's just a play. horrible joke. Anyways, um, but it's one of those things. Like if you do that, like it's, I don't know. It just it made me laugh. It was like it was a you know it was a long day. I had a my flight from Tampa to whatever It was like five in the morning. I had to get up at three. I land in Baltimore. I flew through Atlanta. Whatever. I get in the rental car and the cookie monster comes on. You can't help but laugh. No, like it's just funny. Yeah. So we need more laughing in the world. We need more lighthearted things like Cookie Monster as your <laughs> navigation. I agree. So I agree with that. Speaking the funniest of part of the Cookie Monster thing, uh, not to spoil it for everybody, but because Waze will tell you where there's police. <sighs> and it goes, police reported ahead. Do you think they see me? Do you think they want cookie? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's yeah. funny. That that, funny. There should be more of that in the world. All right. One more thing, and this is going to be our, our segue into our, our topic today. So, again, uh, I, I like to tell stories from, from my childhood, get a little wax, a little nostalgic. So um, I don't know if you remember. I think so, because I think they're in, in your you had no, maybe not. Anyways, we had people that lived near us growing up on uh, 26th Street, uh, the, the Kirsch family. And yeah, Sean Kirsch. Yeah, yeah. So Sean was in my grade, and yeah. and so we used to hang out with him. And I and I can't remember if his, his his parents worked at a theater, owned a theater, or whatnot. But it was one of my first real like the idea of being able to watch a movie in a home. So they they lived not too far from us, and and Sean's dad had a like a thirty five millimeter projector in their basement, had a couple of movie seats, had it set up like a theater, right? Like in a in one of those basements in one of those old houses in Erie. Oh. And it was super cool. Like, it was like, whoa, we're watching. And and I can't remember what Western it was. It might have been Stagecoach. But it was one of those, we would go down in the basement. All the lights would be off. 
you know, watching it. And, and it was this cool, like just watching old, you know, movies and, but really like, you know, theater style movies, right. They weren't home movies or whatever. And I just remember doing that and just having this, that was part of where I got this bug for having like for home theater, like having a theater in your house. I just thought was the, the coolest thing. But I just remember watching these Westerns with, with Sean and his dad, right? We just go down there on like a Saturday or Sunday. It was like snowing outside, but you'd be in their house and you're in the basement. It's all like completely dark and you're watching these movies. And then when the movies would be over, they had, he either had some like prop guns or cap guns <laughs> and we would do like the old West shootouts, right? You know, you would like, you know, draw and you would try to yeah. see who could draw faster and everything. And, I just remember that it was like one of those really defining moments for me when it comes to movies, which was and and for me getting into um, the idea like it just it it just because of the way the movie going experience was, you know, forty years ago now or whatever it was like you went to a big theater with a big production and all of a sudden somebody had the pieces you need to watch a movie at their house. I just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, so that's going to be our segue into what we're going to talk about today, uh, talk about Westerns, hmm. right? And and going through that whole genre. We've covered a lot of different genres in, in yep. season six, right? We did like 25 episodes. We covered a whole, we covered everything from car movies to <laughs> Pennsylvania movies to war movies to post-apocalyptic movies. Um, so I, I think it would be a good idea. And, and this is, I think, your idea for this week is to, to talk about Westerns. So yep. what... What I endeavored to do this time was I tried to get caught up a little bit, right? I don't watch as many movies as you do. Um, there was a couple out there. I was like, if I don't watch these movies. So on the five and a half hour flight home yesterday, I watched uh, I, I watched one and I tried to watch the other. So I think we'll start there Okay. And when we talk about Westerns um, because it's fresh in my mind, right? So I watched Hateful Eight, which I hadn't That's seen. Great movie. Yeah, and and I watched it, and it was it was a great movie, and and the and the cast, like I mean, you just if you look at the, you know, it's uh, what Kurt Russell and Kurt Russell, uh, Sam, Sam Jackson, Samuel J- Walter Walter Groggins, the the guy that plays the the skinnier dude, like the main character, is one of my favorite working actors right now. Yeah. He's on a show called like Vice Principals with Danny McBride, but he is unbelievably good but that well, was that I, jennifer jason lee as yeah. the yeah as the the, the prisoner yeah yeah, she, yeah i did you watch it on netflix i did yeah yeah that apparently is like a director's cut that i haven't watched that yet i went and saw it well they, i think they had both i mean it was like two okay. hours and 45 minutes yeah i steve i went and saw that in 70 millimeter they played it at the uh the franklin institute here in philly and they projected in that 70 millimeter super panoramic like that's what they shot it on like he made it a point to shoot it on i think it's actually a period authentic camera it's this giant unwieldy like panasonic camera from back in the day that oh yeah yeah they they talk about at the beginning they talk about this was filmed on panavision (laughs) or whatever but so i went and and there's only a couple places that actually still do those projections like there's uh one in cherry hill that i went and saw dunkirk did the same thing and I went and saw Hateful Eight but when I I remember after I was it was done and I was like man that was really good that would make an unbelievable stage play because it's all 
you know what I mean? Like it's all yeah, contained it's all out- at, at that outpost, and it's ba- it, the the strength of the the movie itself is the acting. Well, I mean, obviously it's the script, and Tarantino's a pretty good filmmaker, but the acting is what what elevates that from just being. It could be well, boring, man. Like it, it's it, all one it, one location. It, but it reminded me of Reservoir Dogs, right? Where sure. it's all one location. It's carried on the strength of the acting and the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then, but it, I feel like, and I, I, it's been years since I watched Reservoir Dogs, but I felt like he almost used, I don't say it's a formula, right? I'm not, you know, and, and we've had her go around. I was like, you think I don't like Tarantino or whatever because I haven't seen <laughs> Kill Bill. Um, or, but, or Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've only ever seen Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, like that's and, right. Like, so, but yeah, this you know. one was like, you get three quarter two thirds of the way through the movie and then they go back and start mm-hmm. like earlier on and then lead you up to all the stuff you didn't see. Which yeah. felt a little bit like Reservoir Dogs, right? Sure. And I don't yeah. know and I, again I'm not criticizing it because it worked in this movie. It worked in Reservoir Dogs. I just didn't know if that was a Tarantino no. thing. Like no, that is that's it. just that's that's kind of a that's a story writing that's a story writing technique that people use to kind of weave narratives together like he's not the first to do it he just he he does it a lot like i mean that that i mean pulp fiction's completely disjointed like it it tells it in segments but even the segments in the movie are out of order so he he does that yeah he does that a lot but i don't think it matters I, i i just think that the quality of the movies that he make yeah, there are a lot of what he does is derivative of things that he likes or things that he's seen and put his own twist on, but I don't care. Like it's it's the idea of taking a sample from another song and making a whole new song out of it. Is right. is it is it the old song or is it the new song? It's the new right. song can be just as good as the old song. So yeah. but it, And and t- the thing t- that I and, and maybe this was and again, you're more into the the the, the technical stuff of this. But I was watching it, and maybe it was the, I was watching it on my iPad, right? But sure. I don't know if it was the, the, the filming it on Panavision. But when they were filming, like when when they were out in the cold, yeah. I felt cold. It's beautiful. It, yeah, that's I, that's the cinematographer. I think his name's Rob Richards. He's worked with Tarantino on a bunch of stuff, but he also worked with Scorsese on like The Aviator. I think he's worked with. He's one of like. I would say probably top 10, top five working cinematographers. And it's beautiful. Like, I remember when they, when I went and saw it in 70 millimeter and they flashed the opening sequence of the, the stagecoach going through the snow. It is breath. I remember I audibly said out loud, I went, whoa, like that is beautiful. <laughs> but that's, that's one of the things about Westerns because it takes place in cinematic spaces you know what I mean? It's real mm. easy to be lost in the romance of the Badlands or or the Utah. You know what I mean? Like out in right. the middle of these these unmarked, these uncharted territories, it's easy to get lost in the natural beauty of this country because this country can be really, really pretty. Right. So that's the beauty of Westerns. There's uh, Roger Deakins is another one of like the greatest cinematographers that ever lived. Like, and he's done. He did two, I think, remakes. And there, there are now one remake and then one uh, original movie called The Assassination of uh, Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really slow and kind of boring, but good lord, is that one of the prettiest movies that I've seen in a long time. And he he takes advantage of the big vistas and the, the beautiful sunsets and, and things like that. And that's the same thing that, that Rob Richards does in Hateful Eight. Like, yeah, it is all takes place in one area and it's based on the writing and the, the acting. But good Lord, is it gorgeous. But that, yeah, that opening, like that first chapter or whatever, where they're outside. Like I was like, I like it was one of those things where like, you know, like. I was like, I feel cold. Like I feel the cold <laughs> that these guys feel. Like, like I was immersed, and I was like, man, that yep. looks. And you're watching on a tablet on a plane. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that imagine was my point. Sitting... on an airplane yeah. at like thirty five thousand feet. But that that's what film should do, man. Like even yeah. if like I know it's just such a base emotion of feeling cold, but a movie, something you are watching that somebody made up and put together, you're watching on a plane where you shouldn't feel this cold, but you do. Like right. that's what good that's what good cinema does for me. It should make you feel something that you weren't feeling before. Whether regardless of whether it's just cold. Like it doesn't always have to be sad or moved or or empowered or any of those things like it can be a simple thing of feeling scared or feeling cold or any of those things so yeah tarantino's a great filmmaker and i will argue with i mean steve you can't really go wrong like pick another movie out of his his library and watch it like they're all good like even people shortchange jackie brown and jackie brown's still a great great movie but I digress. We're talking about westerns, but the that's the beauty of what he you can you can tell when Tarantino is making a movie that he appreciates the genre because right. it feel it feels like other westerns, but it, it's his own version of it, which I, I really liked it. And it's Kurt Russell, man, and <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Russell with that big beautiful facial hair that he can grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, all, I'm all in. He's got a if you. And we're not doing the segment, but we're going to be rolling on a new segment called Movies You Probably Haven't Seen. So when we're doing stuff like this, I always give movies for Steve to watch that he probably hasn't seen. He's in another one called Bone Tomahawk. You want to watch like a Western horror movie, Steve, with Kurt Russell in it? If he, the, I forget, actually, someone gets kidnapped and he plays a sheriff that he has to like round up a group of people to go and like get this girl back. And it turns out that he comes across like these troglodytes. Like these cannibals that have been living in the foothills <laughs> right. out in the middle of nowhere. And like, dude, I don't want to tell you anything else about it, but it's Kurt Russell being badass Western Kurt Russell. And, and he's it, good in it. I mean, yeah. so, all right, so we can segue then from Hateful Eight and and, and, and that whole thing to, um, you know, look at like the cinematography and that. And then to me, Unforgiven. Yeah. If you look at the all like you know to to, to the spaghetti westerns the stuff that that Clint Eastwood did like that Unforgiven movie was that if that was going to be his last movie and that was made like twenty years ago yeah. if that was going to be his last western what a great way to sum up his you know his you know man with no name type of character yeah. in a movie that is a you know, I don't know it was it was I thought it was beautifully shot the outdoor footage. Like some of those, like it just captured like that. You 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 could feel the landscape. You could feel the vastness of the country, mm-hmm. um, in the in the old west. And then the way the story moved along, and the way that it, like 
again, I, I, that tops of my list is of, of, of Westerns is, is Unforgiven. Well, that's especially when we started talking about Westerns in the first place. Like, you have to put at least one Clint Eastwood on there. You have to. Like, the, the man is meant just as much to the Western genre as any actor or, you know what I mean? Like, out of maybe Howard Hawks or one of those old-time directors that primarily dealt with Westerns, like, Clint Eastwood, when you mm-hmm. think of that, the gunslinger, like that's Stephen King wrote an entire series about someone called Roland Deschain called the gunslinger, and it's based off of young Clint Eastwood because he's supposed to be this badass drifter, right. gun for hire. Like that's he's the quintessential actor when you think of westerns. So a lot of the other ones bleed together for me, Steve. Like we argued before about what they do what movie, yeah. That's good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Yeah. That's the theme. But, like, I couldn't tell you what happens in that one. I, I couldn't tell you what happens in that one versus High Plains Drifter or Hang Em High or, you know what I mean? Like, they all, it's Clint They, they do blend Clint together. Eastwood. High Plains Drifter, um, I like because it's the way they paint the town red. Yeah, like well, that's what just... we argue about. I thought that was Outlaw Josie Wales. Like that's the joke is I I can't separate those, but I can tell you unfor- I can tell you beat for beat, Unforgiven. Yeah, because exactly. because it sticks in my head because that cast is unbelievable. And I don't know is that is that the first one he directed? I mean, not of of his westerns. His first direct like that was that his directorial debut. It was like ninety what ninety one. Unforgiven. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he did some of the. Yeah, because he hadn't done one for a while, right? I mean, he did. You know, he had moved on past that, and did other things, but that's a good. I'm looking at uh, it now. No, he directed a lot of them. I was super wrong. He did some he, of the older ones. Yeah, he directed High Plains Drifter, Outlaw Josie Wales, Bronco Billy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did a lot of those. Okay, Firefox. I was way off. Never mind. But all <laughs> right, so if that. But if that was his. You're right. If that's his close to the the Man with No Name trilogy or series, then what a what an unbelievable yeah. movie! Yeah, I might even on. watch that tonight out on the patio. Um, it got nominated for a butt ton of Oscars, didn't it? Because uh, he won, I thought, for best director. Oh, it won four Oscars. Yeah. Um, he had to have won. He, he had won to have won for Best Picture, director. Best Actor for Gene Hackman, Best Director, Clint Eastwood, right. Best Film Editing, Joel Cox. Okay. And he was nominated for Best Actor but didn't win. Yeah. But that's, yeah. <laughs> what was Gene Hackman's name? Bill Curley? Curly Bill? Little Curly. Bill? Little Bill Daggett. No, Curly Bill's Powers Booth from Tombstone. Like that's why, I mean. like, yeah, you have to put Unforgiven up there, and that's easily on my list. But when we started talking about this, Steve, hard number one, no questions asked, Tombstone for me. Of course, I, I, I absolutely adore that movie, and, and that like, goes I, back to Kurt Russell. I mean, yeah. he that facial hair, he mm-hmm. is wide Earp. Like, yeah, that's why. Like anybody who ever tries, did you ever watch the other one with Kurt, like Kevin Costner? I said no. No, I will never watch no. that because, like, as much as I like Dennis Quaid, he's not Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. Like, he's just not. And the, the I've read all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, Kurt Russell actually directed a large majority of that. Like, the original director got fired, like, two weeks into filming. 
they brought George Cosmopatos, I think his name is, and they brought him in, and he was so sick he couldn't really do anything. He just tried to kind of keep it together, and Kurt Russell shot, like, I don't know what the percentage was, like 65% of that movie himself. Like, that just makes it so much more astounding to me, and it just makes me like Kurt Russell that much more. I mean, but look at the cast. You got Sam Elliott as the the grizzled old, oh, the older yeah. brother is so great, and Billy Bob Thornton in in bit roles, and Billy oh, Zane, yeah. Billy Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton, rest in peace, Bill Paxton, man. Yeah. Like, it makes me sad every time, every time I think about that. But yeah, like the and that was the, and that was the that was part of Val Kilmer's arc where he was like yeah. he was on fire, on right? fire. Jim Morrison. Doc Holliday, I, I'm sure there's a couple of Iceman, <laughs> of course, yeah, <laughs> Top Gun. But there was, I feel like there was another one where he was just like boom, like he he became these characters where you like he was just Jim Morrison. Now he's yeah. you know he's he's a so, longer in, in Doc Holliday. It was dude awesome. he, but like he went and like studied with a dialect coach to figure out like what kind of Southern aristocrat accent he would like doc holiday would have because mm-hmm. he was he was a dentist and he was a very successful one and was very well off before he became this outlaw this kind of gunslinger and val kilmer took like uh gun handling classes so like all of the gun spins and and quick draws and stuff he actually did himself just because yeah if someone was going to pay me to learn how to do that skill like i would absolutely <laughs> I would totally learn how to do, do it. it but i still still quote it to this day steve like someone will ask me if they if i want to do something and i'll say i'm your huckleberry and like it's just it there's like parts of it have worked their ways into my script like into into my action movie that i'm working on like this just i absolutely adore everything about that movie so yeah Danny delaney's great thomas hayden church yep the um dude uh, think about was it lowell from uh wings or whatever from wings think about ike clanton the the guy that plays Ike Clanton is Stephen Lang. You you know him as the bad guy from Avatar, the the military dude, the giant, oh, God, scary, yeah. intimidating monster dude that like is now turned into a, a really really good like character actor. He was in a great, I think it's called Lights Out. No, not Lights Out. Uh, Don't breathe. It's like this horror movie where he plays a blind like a shut-in and they break into his house to try to steal like money that they think's there and he's like this crazy old blind man that like seals them in but like that's Ike Clanton like it's yeah. just like you you would never and it's just why Ike whatever do you mean <laughs> I know I know let's have a spelling contest <laughs> But there was like, I mean, that all of my friends love that movie. Like that, my buddy, my buddy Sear, like we always used to make jokes about it when we were in college. Like every time we would get really drunk when we were out, and he was like, "Dude, you got it drunk. You should go home." You know, nonsense. Why? I haven't even begun to defile, to defile myself. myself. <laughs> so, like, so. But good. that in that scene when they're walking into the OK Corral, where yeah. it's like, was that the first time they did the? Like walk at the camera, it couldn't have been. But no, I, but, no. But that's the one that sticks in your mind as that one. Of one the best and ones. the Reservoir Dogs one, right? It was well, the, yeah. they walk at the camera too? But yeah, but that one, and when he like shrugs off, Dog Holiday shrugs off his coat, and, and he winks. Oh, and, he, and, and he winks at Lowell like he's just everybody else looks nervous as hell, and he's smiling. And apparently, right. like that whole 
you're a daisy if you do. The apparently in the the actual history of the OK, the shootout at the OK Corral, one of the the other the the bad guys got the drop on Doc, and they pulled it, and he said you're a daisy, and they pulled the trigger, and it misfired. Like in in the actual historical records, like the gun misfired, and then that's when the the other brother shot one the one cowboy. But like that's. Right. It's so good. Like, watch, like, there's all these little things that Val Kilmer does in the background that always crack me up. Like, these double takes when he's supposed to be really drunk playing cards. He does, like, a double take at his at his cards. Like, he's having a problem focusing on them. And it works so perfectly with the character. And it's just, yeah. Awesome. And awesome. I've had the, uh, I've actually been to the OK Corral twice in my life. Sure. Yeah, like I'm kind of jealous. Like I've never actually been out to Arizona, but I would definitely go and sit by the Lester Moore tombstone. And, oh, and, yeah, and we did the Boot Hill Cemetery there. thing where the Clantons are buried. We did the um, – oh, God. We went to one of the restaurants, like one of the taverns that's there. It's, it's just a kind of a cool yeah. place, and it's not too far. We have a, I have a customer that's actually down there. Part of the, there's an Army base like 15 minutes from there. So I was there like, I don't know, three years ago. All right, so uh, talked about Unforgiven, talked about Tombstone, talked a little bit about High Train. High Plains Drifter is probably my favorite of those others, um, sure. of the Spaghetti can Western we, ones. I mean, they're all good. Uh, can we just agree all... that we're not putting any John Wayne on our list? Because, I, pardon my language, but fuck that dude. <laughs> like, I, Steve, it was weird because when I was thinking about Westerns and, like, everybody, you start doing research and everybody always brings up John Wayne and John Wayne this, John Wayne that. But I, you introduced me to Public Enemy at such a young age. Like, before I'd even really got in the cinema, I was listening to Public Enemy. And Public Enemy had a, a thing with John Wayne being a racist. And I, so I always had that kind of ingrained. But then I got older and I started doing a little bit of research. And, like, yeah, he was, he was a really gigantic racist and, and a draft dodger and, and <laughs> right. like just kind of a piece of garbage. And his real name was Marion. So, like, can we just right. agree that John Wayne's yep. a piece no, of garbage? No, I don't have any John Wayne on here. Good. Which sucked um, because I used to really love Rio Bravo because I'm a huge Rat Pack and Dean Martin was great in that mm. movie. But, yeah, not on not on any of my lists. And if you want to argue about John Wayne movies, go after yourself because you're a racist too. <laughs> no, it, so the other one I have on here, um, I've got a couple more. And, again, I'm not going to keep this to six or whatever. But one I want to <laughs> talk about because, like, I don't know that it's on a lot of people's, like, hey, this is the guy that must have Western movie. But I can't stop like I can't like if it's on I will watch it like how can you like Young Guns for me is a <laughs> freaking fun movie I mean come on it, it like I don't know maybe it was just at the right time like I think it came out when I was in college like yeah it sounds about right because I remember getting the Young Guns soundtrack on on tape because it had the the Bon Jovi song on it Blaze of Glory yeah no I know yeah that's I, it's not even on my list. And I 88. Could, yeah, yeah. It was 88. I, so that was actually before I went to college. Yeah, it was. that was all. That was what? Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips. Emilio oh, wow. Estevez, Charlie yeah. Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Jack Palance was in it. Oh, God. I, didn't, I don't even have City Slickers on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said but Jack Palance, and that's all I think of is the line from from City Slickers. Yeah. And Billy Crystal rides up. You, you kill anybody yet today, Curly? You day ain't over ain't yet. Over yet. <laughs> yeah. So sure. uh, again, 
don't really want to go. I, I don't really want to go into a whole lot of detail about Young Guns. I just think that's an often forgot, sure, like solid. Like if it's on Young Guns too, meh, whatever. No. But like, I'm, I'm easily probably one of Emilio Estevez's best roles, Oof. right? As William Bonney. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you know, sir, I didn't really do my Emilio Estevez research, so I can't. <laughs> Gordon Bombay's got to be up there, and and Andrew from Breakfast Club. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you could probably put William Bonney from Young Guns as the great one of Emilio Estevez's best roles. I, but... I, like, I, I guess I have a soft spot for a soft spot for that movie. Um, pretty entertaining. Sure. The yeah. other one, but this, the, that, Steve, that goes back to the argument that we had at the season finale of last season. It's good or best versus favorite. Like that's what mm-hmm. I mean. Like when we talk about these, like these are always favorites. Like these are never. I'm never trying to say that anything that I like is the best for you. I'm never saying. I I do try to argue it from time to time, but it's like that's yeah. So that that was important to you because that was when you were in college and you probably watched it an excessive amount of times. Like that's. That happens. Like, that's right. what Tombstone is for me. Like, I have it on VHS and DVD and a burnt v- DVD that someone gave me because someone borrowed my DVD and I wanted to watch it, <laughs> so someone burnt me a copy of it. Yeah, so. I have a, tomb- I have a Tombstone. No, I have an Unforgiven poster somewhere. It's a good it was poster. in my old theater. Like, I had a, like an, a proper movie theater poster. Um, all right, so the next one is, I think, to, you know, to parody a genre you need to really understand it and you have to replicate a lot of the genre and I mean Blazing Saddles <laughs> like yep. you can't Blazing like, Saddles is directly under Tombstone on my list yeah I mean it is hilarious it cap like it captures like it just makes fun of all the things that make westerns great and puts uh-huh. it over the top and like they, they there's there's so many things I, I we could do a whole episode on Blazing Saddles um just God, <laughs> like Mel Brooks did this great job with Cleavon Little. Like some of the yeah. race, the race jokes in there were that was funny. written by Richard Richard Pryor, right? Pryor wrote that, and the Cleavon Little role was supposed to be Pryor, but that's when Pryor was freebasing and he lit himself <laughs> on fire. I, dude, I'm like, I, I could. It could be one of those ones that I've just told myself. I it was him and I thought him and Gene Wilder wrote it. Um, writers, four more credits. I could have sworn Pryor wrote it, and he was supposed to be Clavon Little, but that was... Oh, yeah, was. Richard... It was Mel Brooks, Norman Steinberg, Andrew Bergman, Richard Pryor, and Alan yeah. Uger. Yeah. That's what I think. I think Pryor was supposed to be the sheriff, was supposed to be the Clavon Little role, but he was freebasing and lit himself on fire. Right. I think it works out. Clavon Little was so good. I mean, there's, so again, so many... And they play with the fourth he holds wall. Himself, he holds himself hostage. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's got a gun to the sheriff. The black dude has a gun to the sheriff's head. Like, that. Yeah. It's so good. And, like, so wildly inappropriate. And then I love the fact that they just didn't know how to end it. Like, he just ran out. Like, just, I don't know how to end it. So, all right. It's too ridiculous chase sequence. Yeah. And they just run. Like, the horses just run out. And, yeah. yeah. Was that, That's uh, cool. who plays, uh, the, the, his girl is that Bernadette Peters? No, Bernadette Peters is Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn, yeah. Lily von Stupp. Lily von Stupp, yeah. But that's again, that was you and Dad loved. Well, Dad loved Mel Brooks, which you in turn turned into Mel Brooks fan, which you in turn turned me. Yeah, into, yeah. 
And it's a lot of jokes got got lost on me, but them farting around the camp see the campfire for oh my God. 45, 45 seconds or him punching the horse that they still punching the punching the horse. Yeah. Um the whole like, we're gonna need a shitload of dimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just yeah. we don't need those things. Like there's so many one liners that have been quoted that people yeah. quote them and they don't even realize that it's from that movie. Yeah. It's hard, man. Like name another Name another Western comedy that that was good. Like there was that what a million ways to die die in the West. Like, oh, something. I was gonna bring that up because there's yeah. a couple of scenes in that movie that are like, like on the roll on the floor laugh type of stuff. Ooh, really? Like there was a couple chuckle moments in that movie, but I thought that movie was painfully bad. I don't like Seth MacFarlane should stick to animated stuff. Yeah, like, uh, I, but there was a couple. I mean, there's a couple of yeah. You're right. That would have been better animated. But there's a yeah. couple of scenes in there that are like. Funny and Neil Patrick Harris is awesome, and Charlize Theron's hot. Yeah, she's exactly. turned like forty six or something. Ooh. Hey, like that's you're younger than me, so yeah, Steve. So you're uh, trying to tell me you've aged as well as Charlize Theron uh, at times. Um, <laughs> all right, so the last one I want to talk about, and I think you might have told me to watch this. Maybe not. Somebody told me to watch it. I could not. Like I, I tried to watch it on the plane yesterday. Which is that? Um, is it the Legend of Buster? The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. The bu- the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Why? Why couldn't you watch it? That's the I, move. That was that was going to that was going to be in the movies that you haven't watched segment that you wanted me to do. Like, no, that, I watched. I, I tried to watch. Now, I, I keep in mind, I just watched The Hateful Eight. Okay. Took a break, and then I was like, I'm going to watch Buster Scruggs because I think you had told me to watch it, and. I got through, I don't know, like, it's just a whole bunch of little vignettes. Yeah. That's yeah, it's the Coen brothers. But it's are the, they, they're not even connected, really? Sure, a little bit. They, they, the, I think the idea was, I, I don't recall, and I haven't watched it in a while, but I think each one is to do with, like, a seven deadly sin. That was, they're all parables about, I think the first one, the, the gunslinger is about pride. And then the the Tom Waits one is about greed. You know what I mean? Like they're all they're all supposed to be. It's just the Coen Brothers being weird, man. Like, but that's <laughs> that's the part that I like. It's just tonally all over the map, and it's beautiful, and it's weird, and it's funny, and it's violent, and it's like that whole opening sequence where you get oh, what the hell's his name, the, the actor. Uh, I was gonna say Tim Blake title. Nelson. Yeah. Well, as the as the 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 Will Rogers looking. Yeah, cowboy the, the, and everybody's the singing just, cowboy or whatever. And, yeah, and he comes in and he's the crack shot and just kills a bunch of people right immediately. And it's just, but he does it with that big smile on his face. And it's just like, yep, you're definitely watching a Coen Brothers movie, right? But yeah, you may have been westerned out. Western, you can only you can't do you can't binge watch a western unless you're watching like Deadwood or like a TV show of of a western. Like you can't. It's hard, and especially when you're going from the ultra violence of Tarantino to this ultra violent Coen Brothers <laughs> Coen Brothers <laughs> right. series of vignettes. Right. Like the, but the the Tom Waits one is really really good. Like you don't have to watch them all at once. Like the, I, I I don't think I watched it all at once just because they don't they don't really tie together all that much. No, except that they're they directed don't. I by watched the same the people. First one, which I thought the way that ended was kind of funny, was great. I was like. <laughs> Wow, but that's how that's how most of them are. So some of them, it's like watching Twilight Zone or Outer Limits. Like not all of them are going to land. 
Like, not all of them, that ending's not going to be oof. You know what I mean? Like, they're not all going to stick the landing, but some of them are, and when they do, they're really, really good. But, yeah, it's the Coen Brothers, man. Coen Brothers, like, they did they did the uh, the remake of True Grit. Did you ever see that one? With, no. With, with Jeff Daniels, or with Jeff Bridges, I mean, and Matt Damon, and... Yeah, it was only Steve. You always use the Oscars as a barometer of. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I did um, watch that. Yeah, yeah it I was great. Did. It got nominated for ten Academy Awards and didn't win one. It's like the first <laughs> time it's ever happened. But that that was the Coen Brothers. That was the oh, that nice. was the Coen Brothers, and that that was Roger Deakins. That's the cinematographer that I absolutely love. Like he doesn't really do remakes all that much. He did. He's done some sequels and things like that, but he really doesn't do remakes. But the Coen Brothers with Roger Deakins, with that story, with with Jeff with Jeff Bridges as his Rooster Cogburn, and I think Haley Stanfeld was that was her first that was her first movie. I think she got nominated for Best Supporting, or she won for Best Supporting. But that she was this is gonna this is gonna be a weird tangent. But did you ever see Pitch Perfect two? <laughs> no. Okay, never mind. She's she grew up and she's super hot now. It's long story who, who short. Is it? Haley Stanfield. The girl. She's oh, the, yeah. she was the little girl. But she grew up and she's like super hot now. But anyways, I digress. That's on my on my list because Jeff 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 Bridges as Rooster Cockburn is just great. Yeah, it's been a while since I saw that, but yeah, I definitely watched it because it was because it was up for all those awards, kept showing up in yeah. some feed. And Matt Matt Damon, I think his name is LaBeouf. <laughs> he plays play, like the kind of effeminate tracker. Yeah, it's it's really good. But like that's when I was doing the list, Steve. Like, there's three on my list that are remakes that I actually prefer to the originals. I know this is gonna be blasphemous to say, but like the remake of Three Ten to Yuma with Christian Bale and. Russell Crowe and Ben yeah, Foster. Yeah, that was good. That was like I like that way better than the original one. Russell Crowe should always play that kind of brash but charming villain. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. kind of because you know he's a dick in real life. Like you know he's a brash <laughs> asshole in real life. So just play up to that because he is kind of charming in the in the dickish manner. So just play up to that. But I loved, I loved that movie and but. It, I, to me, that one I, I enjoy better than the original. But that that's a remake. Same with uh, True Grit. And then the, this is going to be probably one of those ones that I'm gonna they're gonna lose my film my film nerd card. But I really like the the remake of Magnificent Seven with with Denzel and Chris Pratt and Vincent D'Onofrio and Ethan Hawke. I like I really enjoyed that movie. I thought the original was good, but I didn't. I didn't enjoy it. Like I wouldn't rewatch it as many times as I probably rewatched the remake. But that's it, it. It struck me as odd that I'm so usually so anti remakes, but three of my favorite westerns are remakes that I prefer to the original. Right. So, what about um, so the ones we don't have, we didn't talk about, um, and I don't know that I've ever seen it the whole way through, and it's one of those like. Do I do I throw it on now and watch it? Was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? You've never seen Butch Cassidy. All right. <laughs> yes, Steve, go watch it right now. Like, like, Steve, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, I, I can't. I never. But like, I think I, I've seen it. Like, I don't. I, I know. Like, I can quote parts of it, but it's like, 
know, maybe it's been well, 30 years since I've seen it. The, I don't know. Steve, it, do you want the spoiler ending? Like, do you want to remember? Like, it just it freeze frames on a on them they, running out. Remember, they get pinned down. Yeah, yeah. They, I remember the freeze frame. That's the end. You never know what happens to them. Like that's right. the point. Like all you hear is the gun battle. Like it's it, yep. it stays on the freeze frame, and you hear and like in in reality, I think they both survive. I think, I think Sundance at least because it was survived. based on a true story, right? Yeah, yeah. They're they're that that their gang is in the movie. I think it's called the Hole in the Wall Gang or one of them. But it's originally mm-hmm. it was the, in real life that Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid ran with a gang called the Wild Bunch. But the Wild Bunch was that movie, the Sam Peckinpah one that had just come out a few years prior. So they didn't want to use it, thinking that people would associate it with the Sam Peckinpah film. So they renamed it after I think it's the Jesse James. Wasn't that Jesse? Who was the 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 kid? Billy the Kid. I think that was his his gang was called the Hole in the Wall Gang. I think. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm but sure yeah, you're like right. that that. That movie's the one that kickstarted my whole infatuation with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Right, like that's that got me into the Sting and like those two between the Sting and Butch Cassidy are top twenty for Come me. On the Natural, yeah, that sure. was one of the one of those infamous VHS tapes we had. Yeah, yes, it was. I watched the crap out of that thing. What was, that was the awesome. Wonder Bat? Is that what it was called? Yeah, the yeah, bat. we got the kids' bat. Yeah. He made well. No, he made it out of the tree that got struck by lightning. It was Wonder Bat, because then yeah, it broke. I thought his bat was seventh, and then he picked up Wonder Bat at the end. Yeah, I don't remember. I haven't seen the natural dollar in a very bat. long time. No, <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to make a dollar bet on something I probably haven't seen in 15 years. No. All I remember is him running around with the the, the, the lights. That was all awesome. I know is that you break one light, I'm pretty sure that not all of them are going to explode. I think that's hey, poor. How, how poor, much do you know about 1920s electricity? I, I know enough. I know enough <laughs> that that's probably not the way it works. I'm pretty sure as soon as they come invented on, at least lights. Like one light bulb goes out, all the Christmas lights go out. I mean, come on. We've evolved they past don't, that. They don't explode into fiery fireworks that rain Yeah, down once one does, on. and then they start. <laughs> Creative license. Creative right. license. Fair enough. Are we good on Westerns? You got anything else? Uh, does Three Amigos count? Oh, my God. It should. <laughs> Holy That's crap. A, when I was trying to think of other other Western comedies. Like, oh, my was, God, it should. Oh, it should, wow. right? That is, oh, yeah. That's a glaring omission, right? When that I thought completely... That was, that was a hey, look, it's a, it's a mail plane. Well, how can you tell? Well, it's got the, it's got these two balls. <laughs> Would you say I have a plethora of gifts? Yes, I would, senor. (laughs) What is a plethora? I don't, I don't know what a plethora is. So good, but like that's between that and then like Maverick. Do you remember the one with James Gardner and Mel Gibson? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that's that's a comedy. That's That's the one that Dietrich's aunt worked on. Yeah, Um, I just remember because she was wasn't she the one of the producers on Die Hard Two as well. Mm, yeah, I think so. No, she, yeah, not producer. I think it. she was like set designer or something. Something know. like that. I, yeah, I, I knew, but, but I knew but she, I remember worked she worked on Maverick, and she did Tales from the Crypt on HBO. Oh, yeah, that, and uh, cool. Cheech and Chong, the Corsican Brothers. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So Three Amigos definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like yeah. that. Like those Blair. all need to go on the kids' summer movie list. Yep. 
Yeah, Three Amigos definitely should. Although I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't watched it in a long time, and I remember I loved it when I was a kid, but I don't know. The Three they Amigos. Might, yeah, they, they yeah. still fun. It's still fun. It it's, is because it's, it's Chevy Steve Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short, and they Martin show Short. up thinking they're there. They're enter. They're TV yeah. Amigos, yeah. and they show up in this town. The Three Because the people dance. in the town think they're real. They think they're doing a show. It's like one of those completely yeah. like, it's a very John Ritter like, awkward they, they, like. They shoot the Invisible Horseman. <laughs> <laughs> right, they summon. Don't they summon the Invisible Horseman? See, that's why I mean. Like, as I started thinking about it, it made me start laughing. And oh, yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, so like you're talking about like Western comedies. If they're good, they can be really, really good. Blazing Saddles, Three Amigos. What about Shanghai Noon? Uh, With Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan. Oh my gosh! Yes, I, like I don't know. I, don't, I haven't I, seen that one. We know. we covered it in the martial arts episode. I have a weird infatuation with Jackie Chan. Like I've yeah. watched. I thought you were going to say Owen Wilson. I was like, no, yeah. no, the butterscotch. I, I kind of get that. No. Yeah. You ever hear that story, Steve? The nope. his nickname, the Butterscotch Cowboy. Uh-uh. Apparently, he used to frequent brothels in New York. Someone was on Stern. I don't know if that was the the that Dennis, the guy that used Dennis Hoff or whatever his name is, the guy that run the the Moonlight Bunny Ranch out in Nevada. And mm-hmm. they used to, somehow it started making the circuits that other brothel owners knew that Owen Wilson frequented them, and it, his code name was the Butterscotch Cowboy. But he liked certain things. That that is referenced to that I'm not at liberty to discuss right now because I would have to go on Urban Dictionary and actually figure out what the act that he liked to get done was. Oh, okay, I don't, I don't want the to butterscotch that. cowboy. All right, yep. I think that's going to be the name of this episode. <laughs> All right, but, but I'm, I'm now you got me in on th- like Three Amigos might be something that might be a thing I got to watch. And I'll bring it up again just because we talked about it last episode and our favorite characters. Like you got to watch Deadwood, man. Watch a couple. Just watch. I almost watched it. They had it on the plane. I think they had it on. Um, if not, Steve, just go on YouTube and just look up the best of Al Swearingen and find the longest one with the highest quality video that you can find and listen to that man curse his way. Oh, it's it's poetry. It is. All right. That's all I cool. got. I got a few other ones on that. Like, does Westworld count? Oh, I don't know. It's not technically a Western takes place mm-hmm. in a western setting but it's a futuristic show right now and now it's gone all now it's going all sorts of crazy there's like showgun world and stuff do you watch yeah, westworld I, I i try to watch like an episode or two yeah yeah it's not everybody's i've had all those like there's a bunch like i started black mirror i started westworld yeah black mirror you can just I started you can do started restarted ozarks which i thought it, it got good but i'm still not like i stopped again well, that's all right, know. because, it, it, what is it, three days, Mindhunter comes out. So you can shut up about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I'm well, excited it, about that. We were hanging out with the neighbors, and someone was complaining about how Jack Ryan, the new season of Jack Ryan came out. So I launched into the same argument that I got in with you. I was like, dude, Wait, it, it did? Out? Season no. two came out? What, Jack Ryan? Yeah. No. 
No, that's what he was complaining about. He's like, what the hell? He was like, last, the last one came out like last year. And I was like, dude, it's a 10-episode season. <laughs> They're hour-long each. That's 10 hours. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, how long is a movie? He was like, two hours. I was like, okay, so they're making five movies. I was like, how long do you think it takes to make one movie? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. And I was like, they're making five movies, and you're complaining that it's, it's going to be out in more than a year? And he was like, yeah. I was like, you realize how ridiculous that sounds? He goes, well, now I do. And I was like, then I served my part. Then I served my purpose. Yeah. So shut up about it. Well, they renewed it for season three, but I'm trying to figure out when season two is coming. Because I feel like Jack I started Ryan, to see... I, it's yeah. done. I know they're done shooting because Krasinski's shooting Quiet Place 2 or Quiet Place Part 2 or whatever they're calling it now. I know they're ago. done. So it's, it's probably in post and they're probably editing and getting it all ready to roll out. I would assume they use April twenty fourth. Oh boy, yeah, that'll be a while. Oh wait, no, that's when it got renewed. When's it coming out? Release date? Uh, Season two is already underway. Uh, blah, blah. No, sometime in twenty twenty. Did you know that he was up for Captain America before Chris Evans was cast? That would have been a different take on that. Because John Krasinski's a big kid. Or dude, I guess. But, I mean, like, that's what they were... When they originally... He got in shape for that. Like, he came in all ripped up at, like, 6'4", or whatever he yeah, is. Yeah. It would have been interesting. I, I, I never... Have, but, but Cap... Chris Evans, Chris Evans is, is Cap. Captain America. <laughs> He's Captain like, America. Like, Robert Downey Jr. will always be Iron Man. Iron Man. Always. Like, you can't... Like, you like you've met, You can mess around with Spider-Man's a little bit. Right? You can, I don't know. Tom but, Holland's pretty good, man. But I, so, I thought Tobey Maguire was pretty good. Yeah. Tobey Maguire didn't seem smart. <laughs> Tobey Maguire just doesn't seem like Peter Parker being a genius. Like Tom Holland, I can believe being an awkward genius. Yeah. Tobey Maguire well, is just awkward. The kids went and saw the new movie on Monday. I haven't seen the new movie yet. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm really upset about it because I heard it was really, really good. But that's all right because Endgame just came out on digital and i've already watched it three times and it's three hours long so that's nine hours i could have spent doing other stuff well brody we thought infinity war was going to be a little bit too intense for my four-year-old son so i just we watched pieces of it like i showed him the part i showed him the part where cap gets the hammer and he was like he stood up and he turns and looks at me his eyes are all wide he goes what and I was like, yeah, right? Isn't that awesome? And he goes, I didn't think anybody else could lift a hammer. And I was like, yeah, except for Cap. And he was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> but then, like, so the emotional resonance of the on your left part when they all come through the portals was kind of lost on him. But seeing everybody, <laughs> like, I got all choked up, like, because I had just watched it again. So, like, when you hear the crackling, and I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, is Cap going to be okay? And I was like, just wait, bud. And then he saw the glowing things and then. Spider-Man comes swinging through, and he got all excited and was, like, jumping up and down on the couch. I was like, yeah, that's that's my boy. That's awesome. But, yeah. Okay, that's all I got. I had Deadwood, right. on, Deadwood on there, so I was watching Yeah, yeah, that. I need to watch Deadwood. I got so much stuff I need to watch. Like, I just, I'm never going to get to it. I think yeah. I just have to reside myself to the fact I'm never going to get to it. Make a take big dry erase board, Steve, and just start I, writing ones on there. I know. Just cross I, them I, off I, as I've you got, go. I've never, got, don't I've rewatch anything. Note. No, Steve. This but, is this is how I started going through my list because I have like the back of my notepad that I use. I just jot down movies that I haven't seen or I read articles about that are coming out, and then I just jot them down. And I don't rewatch anything. I don't watch any repeats of anything. I don't watch like if the news cycle from like five to five thirty. Wait a second! You just said you watched 
<laughs> Endgame three times. That doesn't count. That's different. <laughs> you watched three, nine <laughs> hours. That's different. Nine uh, hours. That's Marvel. It's Endgame. It's <laughs> I don't rewatch anything. I go special, to the list. Special dispensation for the, the end of the end of Saga <laughs> One of Marvel Phase One of. Shut up. I try not to rewatch everything. But no, like when you sit down, like don't just put on like an episode of Friends or something like that. Like actively. No, we're trying to get through the Goldbergs. <laughs> so good. How far and I like, can't tell. All right, we're gonna. Well, this is gonna be a long. It's gonna be an eighty-two minute episode. Watch. Well, no, no, it's gonna be longer than that, Steve, because you have to edit on the first ten minutes that you cut off. Yeah, yeah. We had the I got technical. It. Yeah. Okay. The cool. Eight episodes <laughs> in on the Goldbergs. I can't. Like I don't know how how he's captured like what my childhood was like, but it it nailed it. Like, and I don't, can't figure out if it's just that it, it's the time he captured the time frame, or with them being from Philadelphia and us being from Western PA, yep. that that like it's it's a it's a geographic like location thing. But sure, and it's holy crap, is that spot on? Yeah, and they're not. They're not well off, like you know what I mean. Like they, we kind of work out like social demographic wise. Like they, they go to they go yeah, to, they middle go class. To, dad yeah. owns a furniture store, or whatever. Yeah, like that's exactly. I mean, and the pop culture references, like all the stuff that Adam, like all the T-shirts Adam wears. I love every single one of them. Like all of the like the posters that he has, and like, but that's that's my childhood. That's, that's being infatuated with that kind of stuff. Like mom would never buy me the amount of stuff that Bev buys Adam, but I wanted it all. I watched all those movies <laughs> right. and stuff like that. But yeah, just wait. Like Steve, I, I, we're only on the episode like seven or eight. And like we're about the like, one where he was with, they, with, they met the neighbors across the street and the mom didn't get along immediately. Yeah. And he was dressed up as like, where he meets his best friend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, you haven't even gotten to the point where they He's older. Once he gets old, like, no, he's we're like, still in season like, one, episode like seven or eight. He's a child in the, those first seasons. Like he's like twelve. You know what I mean? Like he's like a right. fifth grader or a sixth grader. Like wait till he gets to high school. Like that's when it really, really gets funny. But then they All were right. talking, like, Adam. How many seasons I, are there? A lot. I think they're on eight, eight or nine right now. Oh really? Yeah. Like they, it's been on for a while. But so Adam Goldberg is on Twitter, and I, I follow him, and they're like, that someone tweeted at him, like, "What are you going to do when it hits ten seasons? Because you said it takes place in the '80s, so it can't physically take place any longer." And he was like, "Well, you guys didn't notice that the older brother was a senior in high school for three years, so I think we can keep <laughs> this going." So that's, that's funny. funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But anyways, well, that's all, right. all I got. All right, well, that'll do it for uh, the debut of Season 7 of Matchwits. Uh, give us a review. Give us a rating on your, your podcast platform of choice. Um, you know, iTunes, Google Play, Himalaya, Spotify, what have it. Um, follow us on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm back from my trip, so I'll hopefully post more um, <laughs> stuff. This Come on. I'm, I've been doing stuff. <laughs> Now we're going to get in the Browns tweets and stuff. But I, um, we talked about this last time. I had the uh, the Trevor Bauer thing after the trade I posted because yep. I had yep. a good video of him. And then I had I thought I had another one out there. Um, I oh, yeah, did. when I took the picture of the when I took the picture of the 
the, the Browns picture from the, the 93 team photo. And, um, and I might have my problems with Trevor Bauer, and I might think he's a weirdo, and I don't agree with a lot of his politics. But the fact that he came back to Tribe Stadium as a just a spectator, when he didn't need to be there just to kind of watch his old teammates like that, I was like, okay. I'll give him a little bit of a credit for that when they just showed him like standing in the bleed, like just standing with a backpack off. on in yeah. the outfield and not like, hey, everybody pay attention to me. I think no. he was watching his friends play baseball. He was watching his friends play baseball, like, and like I that think was he's a misunderstood, poignant. misunderstood cat that had yeah. you know he's he, he gets himself into trouble with his mouth and and some stuff, but like anyway. I think his heart's in the right place, and and that like you never see that. No, like when was not, the last time you anymore. saw? Uh, somebody who got traded the next day, they show up to watch their old team play. Like, yeah, you have that. Could, you have that in baseball, and then you have Antonio Brown burning his feet in a cryo chamber, and then talking about retiring from football because he can't wear the helmet that he wants. And is anybody checking that guy for like CTE or whatever? I mean, he has had a bunch of erratic behavior. He's just a weirdo, man. Like, we talk about Bauer being a different kind of cat. Like, Antonio yeah. Brown is a different kind of dude. Like, you're talking yeah. about going against an 1,800-player players union that all agreed on these helmets, and you're like, nah, brah. Nah. Not my old helmet. And I yeah. think they took his old helmet, and he, like, did he spray paint it? Yeah. Like, to make it look like the Raiders? Like, <laughs> he put some yeah. decals on it? Like Different kind. I haven't started Hard Knocks yet this year, so I need uh, to do yeah, that. But... Oh, but, oh, Building the Browns comes back on, I think, tomorrow. Does it? All right, yeah, good. I meant to check that. I I'd gotten all I got all caught up on it, and then they they went on hiatus for a little bit. So if it starts back up, I'm stoked. Right. But anyways, that's all I got. All right, follow us on Twitter at Matchwits uh, W I T T S, or go to our website Matchwits.com. Send us a note, send us a, a tweet, whatever, and we will uh, love to hear from you. And with that, Chris takes out. I'm your Huckleberry. Hey, brother.